Welcome to Fight Back Radio, the Marxist voice of labor and youth in Canada, and the best source for revolutionary analysis of current events, perspectives, and theory. The right-wing governments of Doug Ford in Ontario, Jason Kenney in Alberta, and the CAQ in Quebec share similarities with the experience of class struggle in Ontario in the 1990s. In this episode, Fightback editor Alex Grant speaks on the lessons of the 1990s for the struggles of today. So the, uh, the betrayals of the NDP government, uh, they were to- uh, destroyed in the pulse from this. And, uh, and there was a zombie government for several years. Uh, the election didn't happen until uh, 1995. And uh, interestingly, through most of this period, the, the Liberals were first place in the polls. But in the 95 election, uh, with the polarization of the Ray period, uh, Mike Harris came forward to win. And, and the Liberals couldn't make up their mind whether they were an austerity government or a reformist government. And, and again, people wanted clear solutions. So from Ray's NDP, we ended up with Mike Harris's common sense revolution. Yes, for all those reformists who think the word revolution is unpopular, <laughs> it is act- was actually used by the right wing to win government in 1995. Now, what do, who do the NDP bureaucrats blame for their defeat? The unions. The unions, who should have shut up. Shouldn't have complained, should have realised that Ray did the best thing possible for them. That, that Ray uh, stopped, uh, you know, if, if it wasn't for Ray Day, somewhere between 20 and 40,000 workers would have been laid up. You know, so it's, uh, you know, except uh, one cut to not have another cut. Bullshit. They should have taken it from the bosses. They didn't touch corporate taxation. Uh, I guess being a uh, right reformist means never having to say you're sorry. And, uh, yeah, and just blame the left. Yeah, you see that again with uh, sort of the Clint- Hillary Clinton Democrats, right? Who blame the victory of uh, Donald Trump on uh, Bernie Sanders and the left, uh, rather than looking for their own uh, failures. So, Harris came to power on, unlike Doug Ford, on a very honest program of class war and counter-revolution. He said exactly what he was going to do. And he, and he bragged about it. You know, it's like, yeah, he, said, yeah, we, uh, he said, we kept all of our promises. He's like, yes, and all of your promises were terrible. <laughs> uh, so it was a 21, oh, 21% cut in welfare rates. The poorest of the poor. Uh, they completely revoked uh, Bob Ray's labour law reforms. So all that, you know, moderation that Ray showed, all gone. You know, sort of like watering it down. So the uh, the anti-scab legislation was gone. Card check certification of unions were gone. Uh, they uh, massive cuts to childcare. Uh, they 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 deliberately demonised poor people. It was a political program of demonising the poor, and. Uh, they instituted workfare. They forced uh, 300,000 people on welfare to do 17 hours work for below minimum wage. Okay. And, and, and this you know, is total slavery conditions. It's just one step up, step up from the chain gang. 
And if the work needs doing, well, then it should be paid for at union rates. Um, this attack on the poor led to sort of the rise in sort of OCAP, Ontario Coalition Against Poverty, which uh, was working amongst uh, welfare recipients and, and homeless people. So uh, in total, so the initial cut, oh, there was uh, layoffs of nurses, shutdown of hospitals, uh, uh, layoffs of you know, 10,000 public sector cuts. Right, so, so you know, Bob Ray said, oh, we saved them from the cuts. No, you didn't. You prepared the way for the Mike Harris cuts. Um, Privatisation, uh, 407, and uh, another uh, end of uh, Ontario Hydro. In total, $1.9 billion of cuts. 50% came out of that came out of welfare rights. 50% came out of the poorest people in society. Now, but the unions were initially passive. Uh, that. Uh, Say, so, oh, they, you know, well, Harris has got a mandate. We can't just oppose them immediately. Uh, even Sid Ryan uh, was quoted uh, along those lines. Uh, and after the, the unions had basically sat out the, uh, the the '95 election, they refused to campaign to the for the NDP. I think the uh, a lot of them didn't technically disaffiliate, but they uh, gave the uh, a one dollar donation uh, to the NDP. Um, and uh, where instead, yes, they, what they should have been doing is replacing all of these social contract candidates with socialists. Uh, you know, maybe run run Cormos as a, uh, a potential leadership replacement against. Uh, and Cormos did actually run um, for the leadership, I think, um, after Ray resigned, uh, but didn't do as well, and and didn't have. Uh, Actually, I'm not sure how much support he had from the unions, but they didn't mobilise, whereas they should have been mobilising for socialists. Right? That's, that's how they could have uh, beat back against this. Uh, and actually, in terms of the legacy of the Ray government, you know, only just now, more than 20 years later, 20, 25 years later, only now has the NDP in Ontario actually recovered from this betrayal. Right. They tried to use Bob Ray against the NDP. I don't think it worked in this election as much. Uh, but that only now have they actually recovered, 25 years later. It's incredible. 25 since the, years since the social contract. So that's the legacy of betrayal. You should remember that. Um, and so the, but the unions were inactive when Harris uh, first came to power. And uh, Paul Kellogg... Um, has sort of written a um, uh, a paper. Uh, well, it says draft only, not for quotation without permission of the author. Sorry, Paul. Uh, <laughs> got a quote. Um, and uh, and and he uh, and Paul Kellogg is currently a sort of an independent academic left. He was with the uh, uh, the Cliff Group, the International Socialists, in the nineties, and uh, and he. And he said, well, a sort of initial mobilizing force that prepared the, the, the way for the anti-Harris movement was actually the Canadian Federation of Students in January of 95, before the election, uh, organized a, uh, a cross-Canada student strike that had about uh, 100,000 uh, students on strike. Uh, and that sort of, and the workers were enthused by this after 
a long period of null struggle and say, yeah, 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 we should be doing it like the students. Um, so, uh, Paul Kellogg says that true, but that's the only source I've got for that. Um, and then with the victory of Harris, there was a series of minor actions by the left, OCAP and, uh, and, and, a, and a grouping called the Embarrassed Harris Coalition. And, uh, and they organized in, in June of 95, uh, 2,500 came out to protest uh, Harris's swearing in. And then uh, in July 95, uh, a thousand daycare workers went out on a wildcat walkout against the daycare cuts, against the childcare cuts. Um, later in July, uh, the old cap and embarrassed Harris organized a, a, a protest of welfare recipients with about 2,000 uh, there. In August, old cap organized a protest of 600. And on the uh, opening of the legislature in September of 95, the Embarrassed Harris Coalition, together with the Toronto and New York Labour Council, organised 10,000 people at Queen's Park. So there was a momentum from the left that uh, was cu cu cutting against the, uh, the bu bureaucratic inertia of uh, the trade union leadership that just wanted to sort of, uh, didn't want to mobilise. And, uh, and, and, that, and that's a similar stage to what we're in right now. But a uh, lot worse. Well, you had the um, uh, the fifteen dollar uh, protest uh, about a month ago, but that that had about one thousand five hundred people out at it, and and there was nothing on the inauguration. There's a protest next weekend, but the uh, against uh, against uh, Doug Ford, but it's been put off. And we'll see, uh, the left is quite disorganized and disunited. Uh, the largest meeting after the election was organized by Fightback, organized by us. We had over 100 people out. And, and the, the other left-wing uh, groups, uh, like Fight for 15, organized a meeting about 50 people. Briar Patch organized a meeting a couple of weeks later. It was about 90 people. So the, the left is actually quite disunited and, and not organized. Uh, but um, that's the present situation that we can discuss later. Uh, but this pressure from the left, uh, according to Paul Kellogg, uh, played a role in radicalising a, a special convention of the Interior Federation of Labour uh, towards the end of 1995, where 2,000 delegates came out and voted for the Metro Days of Action, a series of citywide general strikes. And, and this uh, began a momentum of, of, of uh, and you know, specifically called a fight back campaign against the Harris Cuts. Now this began the first, metro, first day of action, and these are all illegal strikes, if you remember. So relative to where the movement is right now, this is amazing. Uh, Illegal strikes are almost never heard of today. That uh, uh, so in December of '95, the first day of action was in London. Again, you see the sort of the, the psychology of the labour leaders: start small, start modest. But it, but it was it was a, a rousing success. 
about 40,000 of the 60,000 workers in London went on, came out on strike. And 16,000... Uh, so, and the way that these uh, days of action were structured is that you'd have a citywide general strike on the Friday and then a protest on the Saturday. So they had about 40,000 on strike on the Friday and then 16,000 marched in uh, minus 40 degrees weather the following day. Uh, one of the slogans is, it's, it's not as cold as Harris. <laughs> you know. um, but the real breakthrough was the, the Hamilton uh, day of action in February of 96, where uh, 100,000 workers came out on strike. In fact, one of the main organisers for that was Andrew Horvath, who was a city councillor at the time. It's interesting, these names pop up a lot, you know. Um, and, and as that, uh, and, and that, and that was a real boost, and the demand was coming to like, look, the, the city, my city stuff is too slow. Uh, but the, uh, the Monday after the uh, Hamilton Day of Action, OPSU went out on strike against uh, massive layoffs. And, uh, and, and this, this general, the shock at the cuts, the, the beginning of, of uh, a fight back, Started to have an impact uh, Harris's popularity, that he was down down to 34%, and the Liberals were actually ahead of the uh, the Conservatives in the polls, although the NDP was still languishing in the teens. Right? Well, it was, but uh, this was having an effect uh, in uh, diminishing the popularity of the, the Harris government. But the Opsu strike, uh, yeah, is it it linked uh, in the consciousness of the workers directly to the Metro Days of Action. Uh, and and you know, the slogans, yeah, hey Mike, hey Mike, how do you like a general strike? And city by city is way too slow, let's shut down Ontario. Right? Uh, so the entire logic is towards uh, a, a, a province-wide general strike. But the, uh, the labour bureaucracy continued to sort of resist this. Um, and, and, and then eventually the, uh, the OFL strike lasted five weeks, but they went down to defeat because it wasn't generalised. And, 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 and they ended up facing something, uh, 10,000 uh, job cuts out of that. Uh, one poll put, uh, but, the, but the movement was incredibly popular. Uh, one poll put the, uh, that 63% supported the, the OFL's fight back campaign. So, Hamilton, major industrial city, home of steel, and, you know, th this would be a great launching point for a general strike to bring down the government. And, and, and that's the logic of this motion, of this movement, is a general strike to bring down the government. It, it is the logic of uh, the movement against Doug Ford. This government has no democratic legitimacy. It has no mandate for its attacks. And, and, and this can seem like some sort of uh, crazy far-off perspective. Well, actually, this has happened numerous times in history. In 2012, the Quebec... Yeah, we're currently in Montreal. In 2012, the Quebec students brought down the Liberal government, Jean Charest. Uh, that was the uh, a direct outcome of 400,000 people in the streets of Montreal protesting the, uh, 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 the law that... Uh, limited protests, right? I brought down that government. In Britain, strike of the miners brought down the, conser uh, the Conservative government in 1974. Brought in a Labour government in a condition of crisis. 
Um, so this was entirely the logic of the movement. Bring down uh, the oven. And this was the demand of uh, OCAP's uh, main spokesperson, uh, John Clark, who did play a major role in this. So, and uh, he's a, uh, a, a revolutionary. Um, he refuses to say whether he's a Marxist or an anarchist in public. Uh, and so, uh, but uh, yeah, his perspective and his demand is to you know, make the province ungovernable, bring down the government. Uh, and, uh, and, and OCAP was quite uh, influential. And, uh, John Clark was a speaker on, on a, a large number of these rallies, uh, even the ones organized by the unions, because they couldn't... Uh, you think of OCAP as a fairly peripheral group now, on the, le on the far left, but uh, then uh, it did have a, a definite um, uh, you know, constituency of support. But instead of escalating from Hamilton, the bureaucrats went backwards. So in April, they went to Kitchener-Waterloo. Uh, and, you know, my apologies to uh, Peter and the other uh, Waterloo comrades. Uh, it's, it's not the industrial centre that uh, uh, Hamilton is. Um, but the Kitchener-Waterloo Labour Council actually demanded to make the, uh, uh, the Kitchener Day of Action a province-wide general strike. So we don't just want to do our town, we want to do the whole province. In June, they moved to Peterborough. Again, it's just kind of moving it around, just trying to, uh, in, in essence, tire people out to be seen to be doing something. Um, and, and, you know, again, I, I, every movement, every revolution is not a single march to victory. There's periods of advance, there's periods of retreat. But another incredible high point of this movement, from a sort of a lull uh, after Hamilton, was the October-Toronto general strike. One million workers out on strike. Uh, I think it's the largest strike in Canadian history. Uh, the following day, 250,000 demonstrating in front of Queen's Park. So, the, the lawn of... Queen's Park uh, probably holds about 10 to 15,000 people. So it was the entire length of University Avenue. For those, you know, the entire wide boulevard. How wide is University Avenue? It's like, it's got, it's got to be almost 100 metres wide, maybe. 50 to 100 metres wide. So the entire length of University Avenue. Who talks about this? Who talks about this? 250,000 people are... are uh, and demonstration, million people out of strike in Toronto. How many kids even know about this? Right? Uh, this is part of our history, forgotten history. Mike Harris. Not an intelligent man, but cunning and perceptive. You know what he said about this? He said, it was a good show. And he was right. Because the Labour leaders, that's all it was. It was a show. It was just a show. Uh, and, 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 you know, Harry said, yeah, by the time we're over, every, every blade of grass in Queen's Park is going to be trampled numerous times, but in the end, there's no alternative. And, then, and, and, and it didn't threaten, these demonstrations, these citywide demonstrations didn't threaten the Harris regime. And then from that high point, which could have been the launching point for a province-wide general strike, one day, two day, one week, uh, potentially 
open-ended to bring down the government, uh, they withdrew. Sudbury, Thunder Bay, North Bay, Harris's hometown. Right? Smaller, de-escalated through 2006 and early 2007. So it looks like the movement was petering off. But sometimes revolution is the whip of counter-revolution. And in June of 97, Harris moved uh, uh, two more vicious attacks. Uh, Bill 136, that would attack uh, the broader public sector, municipal health and school school workers, and Bill 160 attacking the teachers. Uh, Bill 136, it suspended the right to strike for 400,000 workers uh, in municipalities. Uh, it gave the open right to privatise and rewrite contracts of workers. Uh, so this uh, re-enraged the movement. Uh, QP led the call for a general strike, supported by CAW. Uh, OFL convention in July, a month later, 2,500 2, uh, delegates, the largest ever OFL convention, uh, unanimous support for a general strike, all-out general strike, province-wide general strike, but with no date. Delegates, do I, tell us the date, tell us the date. Refused, no date. No date, no strike. In fact, uh, Bill 136 also initially affected the police. And the police almost joined the Common Front. Front of police union. Almost joined the Common Front. At which point Harris quickly backtracked and removed the police from Bill 136. <laughs> <laughs> that was getting a bit too scary. Uh, and actually, and this movement forced the government to backtrack on 136. Again, power of the working class. And this was a threat of a general strike, not an actual general strike. But they continued with 160 attacking the teachers. Prep time was halved from, uh, from 80 minutes to 40 minutes, I think it was, or 80 hours to 40 hours, 80 to 40, something. Um, and the year was extended by two weeks with no increase in pay. And uh, 10,000 uh, lost teachers' jobs. In response to this, the teachers went on a legal walkout in October and November of 1997. Uh, and 70% and of the public supported the teachers. This could have led to the general strike. Three key options, three periods. Hamilton, Toronto, and the teachers' illegal walkout could have led to general strike to bring down the government. Again, wasn't done. Um, you know, there was a demo to support the teachers, uh, 25,000 people yelling, general strike, general strike. Uh, didn't happen. Teachers unions ended up splitting amongst themselves. Half of them signed, uh, so sort of capitulated to the struggle, and, and, and the teachers unions never asked for sympathy strikes. Even though QP and CAW probably would have come, back, come out if they had. Uh, but, uh, they, they, and, and this fizzled out. Uh, this was defeated. The, uh, Bill 160 was passed. In November of 97, the Ontario Federation of Labour Convention, there was uh, the, uh, the old president of the OFL stepped down. There was significant division between the, uh, the Common Front unions, QPCAW, 
and the pink paper the steel workers. And the dynamic had shifted towards the right with demoralization. And the right won the president position. Wayne Samuelson uh, was elected the new president. Although at the same time he was elected, there was a unanimous vote for a general strike. It's three OFL, three instances a general strike could have happened, and three conventions. First of all, voting for the Metro Days of Action, and then two other conventions voting for a general strike, but no doubt. Uh, there was two sort of routine Metro Days of Action after that, St. Catharines and Kingston. But then in July of 98, the uh, Days of Action movement was quietly shut down. Totally, it was almost uh, not reported in the media. Uh, the movement was defeated. QP returned to the NDP. And the CAW went in the direction that we all know of, of strategic voting. Buzz Hargrove famously embraced Liberal Prime Minister Paul Martin in the 1996 election. And now Unifor was on the, the right of the movement. So this whole thing about, you know, um, the... Uh, uh, the left being anti-NDP and the right being pro-NDP. Well, that was true at that point in time, but now, uh, 20 years later, we've seen how these have de developed. And you've seen Unifor on the right of the movement raiding, supporting liberals, uh, Unifor being the successor of the CAW. Um, but the reality is, is that Harris could have been brought down could have been brought down uh, due to union power. Could have been... And, and the unions could have also revolutionised the NDP if they had had a socialist perspective, which, of course, they did not. And, uh, and they weren't helped by the left. So reading sort of a lot of these articles, the way it's uh, termed is the uh, electoralist and anti-electoralist uh, ten, uh, factions. So the left and CAW and QP were anti-electoralist while uh, steel workers and, were, and, the, and the right wing were electoralist. So the left was reinforcing all of the prejudices uh, yeah, the, yeah, the, the non-union left was reinforcing all the prejudices of the Labour bureaucrats. As, it's, it's just a sort of like a personal conflict you know, between you know, Buzz Hargrove and Sid Ryan on one side and um, Bob Ray uh, and Alexa Madonna, uh, the federal NDP leader, on the other side. Right? Where, in fact, it should have been take back the NDP for working class people. That should, uh, rather than the left following into this, oh yeah, you should split away, you should split away. Split away to what? Well, they split away to strategic voting. They split away to the Liberals. That's what they did. Um... So, the real the lesson, well, one of the lessons is crisis inherent in reformism, uh, and that's a lesson both for the NDP leadership and the union leadership. If you do not have a revolutionary socialist perspective, you will always capitulate at the end of the day, because there is no other way to do it while maintaining the capitalist system of production for profit. And the other lesson. It's crisis of leadership and the need for revolutionary working class organisation. The need for the revolutionary tendency. 
what the international Marxist tendency, what Fight Back and La Repos Socialista are building. Because the left, they were complaining. It's like, oh, you know, we worked so hard. We got these initial demonstrations. And we wanted to bring the unions in. But once we brought the unions in, we lost all control. Well, yeah, because you had no perspective of building a revolutionary organization that could challenge for the leadership of the mass organizations of the working class, either within the NDP or within the unions. So, of course, you were sidelined. You need to build the revolutionary organization. And you need, and, and a key demand, which was raised by parts of the left, uh, but they did not have the ability to put forward, was the need of rank and file control, for rank and file organs of struggle that, uh, in essence, workers' councils, Soviets, uh, wouldn't use those terms in, 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 ge in, uh, in general parlance, but you needed uh, uh, structures of struggle that aren't just controlled by the union bureaucracy, but are open to the rank and file militants, to the shop stewards, to the local leaders, and to non-union uh, work workers, all sectors of the working class and all sectors of the oppressed. And a revolutionary organization can play an important role in calling for that and demanding for that. A parliament of the oppressed, a parliament of the exploited, to not allow the, the union's union bureaucracy just to control the timeline. <coughs> so in fact, all of these days of action, when one was finished, it was like, thanks for coming, see you later. We'll be back to you. So nobody knew when the next one was going to happen, and no one was knew what, you know, and there was no plan for escalation. So the other lesson, lesson is the crisis of leadership and the need for revolutionary organization. As an individual, as a movement, you do not have the ability to challenge the, the labor bureaucracy. You must build a revolutionary organization. And so this is. So this is the, uh, the current situation we find ourselves in. Current situation we find ourselves in with uh, uh, the Doug Ford government and the potential uh, CAC government in Quebec. And there are going to be vicious attacks. We should expect them. And we're seeing rumblings in the world economy with um, protectionism from south of the border, from Donald Trump. This could trigger a global economic crisis. The world, you know, it's like the, the boom-bust boom cycle is due for a new crisis. So within the next one, two, three years tops, during the life of the Ford government, there's quite likely to be an economic crisis. And, and these attacks are going to uh, be incredibly hard upon people. Incredibly hard. Now, there are similarities, but there are also differences with the 1990s. Uh, organizationally, the left is far weaker than the 90s. The only part of the left that really is advancing is the Marxists of the international Marxist tendency, fight back and Larry Foss. The rest of the left really can't get their act together. Uh, and, and we don't pretend we're bigger than we are. Uh, our forces are still quite modest. Although uh, we have a role to play, we're probably, we are probably the largest organization on the revolutionary left. And so we have a role to play in organizing protests and demonstrations and events, explaining uh, the attacks on working class people and explaining the way forward. 
but we, but we cannot be substitutionalists. We cannot mobilize the many, many millions of the, of the Ontario and Quebec workers. That is the job of the mass organizations. That is the job of the unions of the NDP. We can't do it, but we must demand that they do their duty. We must demand that the, the leaders of the mass organizations do their duty and put them under pressure and do what we can to show what is possible with our limited yet growing forces. Um, but So the left is a lot weaker, and, and the organizations of the working class are a lot weaker. The, uh, 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 the NDP has gone through, yeah, again, 25 years of betrayal. Uh, they had a... a they actually re return to old reformism in this election, but still do not have uh, the traditions of the previous period. And, and the unions, oh my God, the unions. Uh, they're raiding, they're capitulating, uh, they're capitulating to back-to-work legislation. Right? So the organizations of the working class have never been in such a dire situation. Right? Even the concept of, you know, it's like this period, there were illegal strike after illegal strike after illegal strike. Incidentally, nothing happened. There was no, uh, there was, uh, there was no repercussions for those illegal strikes. Um, but the idea of a legal strike now is like, oh my God, you can't break the law. Right? So the organizations of the, of the working class are far, far weaker now. But the global situation is far, far better. The 90s were a general period of reaction after the fall of the Soviet Union uh, and the, uh, the economic slump. Now we're in a position, general condition of international revolution right? that, that you've had you know, the Sanders phenomenon, Jeremy Corbyn, Mélenchon, uh, the lesson of the, the rise and fall of the Syriza government, Podemos, uh, massive a backlash amongst the youth against capitalism. So we're there, while the organizations are weak, the potential for struggle is strong. Where people in the 90s were talking of the crisis of socialism, now they're talking about the crisis of capitalism. The youth overwhelmingly are in favor of socialism, and a large minor minority is in favor of communism. So this is a different, these are the different conditions. That, and is the job of the revolutionary Marxists to reach these layers and demand that the workers' organizations play the role that they need to play to fight back against this inevitable capitalist austerity. And you cannot fight back against it with mild reformism. The reform betrayal is inherent in reformism. But eventually these movements will put the reformists in power. You know? Eventually the NDP will end up back in power in Ontario. Quebec Solidaire, possibly in in Quebec, and they end up in power, and they will be in exactly the same conditions as the Bob Ray government. Exactly the same conditions. And we need to learn from that and build the revolutionary opposition until Marxism becomes a mass force and can mobilize the workers, can mobilize the workers and sweep all this shit away. And though that is the period opening up to us, comrades. It is not going to be easy due to our weakness and the weakness of the workers' movement, it will be protracted. Working-class people will face incredible hardships, sadly. But if we do the job now, 
if we build in the coming period, Marxism will be present to play the decisive role. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Fight Back Radio. Fight Back is a revolutionary organization fighting for the socialist transformation of society. We are the Canadian section of the international Marxist tendency. We actively seek to educate workers and youth in the genuine ideas of Marxism in order to fight back against capitalist attacks and austerity and bring an end to capitalism. However, we won't be able to do this alone. So if you agree with us, get involved. You can be found online at marxist.ca, on Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at Canada Marxists, on Instagram at Socialist Fightback, and on YouTube as Fightback La Lucos. For international news and analysis, check out In Defense of Marxism at marxist.com. The music in this episode is General Strike by Soul Jazz Orchestra. It can be found at souljazzorchestra.com.